Welcome to the Insurance Law Podcast, brought to you by Best Directory of Recommended Insurance Attorneys. Welcome to the Insurance Law Podcast, the broadcast about timely and important legal issues affecting the insurance industry. I'm John Zuba, editor of Best Directory of Recommended Insurance Attorneys. Joining me from Washington, D.C. today is our Washington, D.C. Bureau Manager, Ray Lehman. Today, we're also joined by attorneys Fred Karlinski and Rachel LeBlanc from the firm of Kolodny, Foss, Tellenfeld, Karlinski, and Abate in Florida. Fred became a shareholder with the firm in 2001. He concentrates in the areas of insurance regulatory and related matters, executive and legislative government affairs, administrative law, and corporate representation. Rachel joined the firm in 2005 as a litigation associate, practicing in the areas of insurance regulation, insurance defense, bill of rights, and complex commercial litigation. In early June, the U.S. Supreme Court ruled credit-based insurance scoring disclosures provided to consumers do not violate the reporting duties of the Federal Fair Credit Reporting Act. Ray, you covered this issue in a Best Wire story we published on June the 4th, so I'm going to turn it over to you this morning for our first few questions. Thanks, John. Fred, can you explain the significance of this ruling? Sure, Ray. First, it's important to understand the High Court's ruling. The court addressed allegations that Safeco Insurance Company of America and Geico General Insurance Company violated the Fair Credit Reporting Act, or FCRA. The FCRA requires that a company provide notice to a consumer subjected to adverse action based in whole or in part on a consumer's credit report. In the case of an insurance company, Adverse action is defined as a denial or cancellation of, an increase in any charge for, or a reduction or other adverse or unfavorable change in the terms of coverage or amount of any existing or applied for. Any company that willfully fails to provide notice of an adverse action to the consumer is civilly liable to the consumer. The issue facing the Supreme Court was twofold. One, whether willful failure covers a violation committed in reckless disregard of the notice obligation, and two, if the willful failure covers reckless disregard, whether GEICO and SAFECO committed reckless violations of the FCRA. The Supreme Court determined that the willful failure covers a violation committed in reckless disregard of the notice obligation by relying on precedent and the court's statutory interpretation of the FCRA. The next issue to be determined was whether GEICO and SAFECO committed reckless violations of the FCRA. First, the court determined that an increase in a charge for insurance encompasses a disadvantaged rate even with no prior dealings. Thus, an insurance company can take an adverse action with respect to new rates for initial applicants. GEICO's policy was to look at the applicant's credit score and compare the applicant's tier and company placement with what the applicant's tier and company placement would be if the applicant had a neutral credit score. GEICO would notify an insured of an adverse action only if the applicant would have been placed in a lower price tier and company if the neutral credit score rather than the applicant's actual score had been used. If the applicant's rate would be the same with the neutral credit score, GEICO did not send any notice to the insured. This means GEICO did not inform the applicant if he could have gotten more favorable terms if the applicant's credit score was higher. The court took the position that the language in the FCRA stating that an insurer must notify an applicant of an adverse action based on a credit report means that if the credit report has no identifiable effect on the rate, the insurer has not made an adverse action based on the credit report. The court then concluded that GEICO did not have to provide adverse action notice to an applicant when the initial rate offered to the applicant is the same as the applicant would have received if the applicant's credit score had not been taken into account. Safeco, unlike GEICO, did not provide adverse action notice to any initial applicants because it did not think the FCRA applied to initial applicants. 
the court held that although this was a violation of the FCRA, it was not a reckless violation. Recklessness is judged on an objective standard and is conduct that is unjustifiable high risk of harm that is either known or so obvious that it should have been known. The court found Safeco's reading of the statute was not unreasonable. So we're left with two precedents. The first is that adverse action notices must be sent to initial applicants when applicants' credit scores affect his or her rate. And secondly, a company will be found to violate the FCRA when it acts in reckless disregard of its own provisions relating to adverse action notices. Companies will now have to determine whether their notification programs are sufficient. Thanks, Rick. And the court basically ruled that GEICO's reporting practices did not violate the FCRA, and while Safeco may have, it didn't intend to do so, and its interpretation of the law was not objectively unreasonable. But in general, how difficult is it to interpret willful intent? The difficulty now lies in not only interpreting what willfully fails means, but now insurance companies and courts alike must also determine what rises to the level of reckless disregard. In order to ensure compliance, it seems that companies will either have to adopt GEICO's neutral model or a more stringent model. Okay, thanks very much, Fred. Uh, Rachel, I'll turn it over to you now. Florida Insurance Commissioner Kevin McCarty recently commented on this ruling. Do you have any thoughts on his statement? Yes, in March 2005, actually, the Florida Office of Insurance Regulation proposed a rule regarding insurers' use of credit scores. And although this rule followed the general provisions of the model law passed by the National Conference of Insurance Legislators in 2002, the Florida rule added language that would require insurers to prove that their use of credit scores did not unfairly discriminate against specific demographic groups or places of residence. The Florida Insurance Council, the Property and Casualty Insurers Association of America, and other industry groups challenged this rule under the Florida Administrative Procedure Act on the basis that the term unfairly discriminatory and the sections of the proposed rule that relied on that term were vague. The administrative law judge found that the term unfairly discriminatory was essentially undefined and that there were no standards by which insurers could measure their rates and premiums. This means that any enforcement of this rule could result in arbitrary and capricious enforcement by the Office of Insurance Regulation. And in fact, the vagueness of the proposed rule was illustrated by testimony that showed that aside from perfect proportional impact, the Florida Office of Insurance Regulation itself could not define what variation would be acceptable and what variations would rise to the level of unfairly discriminatory. That finding resulted in the ruling that the rule could be enforced arbitrarily or capriciously. Commissioner McCarty commented that the ruling was favorable to the Florida Office of Insurance Regulation. While the ruling may be favorable in the respect that the judge found that the Financial Services Commission has the legislative authority to enact a rule related to insurers' use of credit scores, the judge actually threw the rule out on the basis that the rule was arbitrary and capricious because it would grant the agency unchecked authority to arbitrarily reject rate filings as unfairly discriminatory. Rachel, how would this impact Florida directly and, and how might it affect other states? Well, since the ruling, the Office of Insurance Regulation has proposed a new rule that attempts to define with specificity the term unfair discrimination, since that was the basis of the administrative law judge throwing out the first rule. But the rub here is that unfairly discriminatory is very difficult to define, especially in this area, because insurance companies do not normally collect information as to an applicant's race, sexual orientation, religion, or other sensitive matters, nor do the insurance companies really want to. But by enacting such a rule that requires an insurer to show that its use of credit scores do not result in unfairly discriminatory rates, 
the insurer will have to collect such sensitive information merely to meet the burden placed on it by such a rule. Florida is not the only state, in fact, attempting to grapple with this issue. The Fair and Accurate Credit Transactions Act commissioned a study to be conducted with the Federal Office of Fair Housing and Equal Opportunity on how the use of credit information affects availability and affordability of certain insurance products. The dilemma here is that the use of credit scoring will almost certainly cause a disparate impact on at least one demographic group, which is the young who have not had the time or opportunity to develop any type of credit history. But the really interesting aspect to all of this is that, at least as found by the Florida Administrative Law Judge, there seems to be no serious debate that credit scoring is a valid and important predictor of loss. So now the industry, Florida, and all the states nationwide are facing the dilemma that although credit scoring is a legitimate factor to consider when it comes to predicting loss, insurers could potentially be banned from using it because of its predictions. Okay, Rachel, thanks. And can you just sum up by saying, what does this mean basically for future litigation? Well, it's hard to pinpoint exactly where the future litigation will go, but by what's happened most recently, it seems that future litigation possibly will be more about the disparate impact than adverse notification, as the Geico and Safeco cases Fred referred to earlier. States such as Oregon, Michigan, Minnesota, Arkansas, Delaware, and New Mexico have all enacted or attempted to enact laws that limit the use of credit scoring. In fact, in the case of Oregon, there was an attempt to ban outright the use of credit scoring in rating and underwriting. The Oregon voters, however, rejected this ballot initiative. Interestingly enough, a study conducted by Eco Northwest found that 58% of auto policyholders and 53% of homeowners policyholders pay lower premiums due to their credit scores. The big issue to be tackled for the future may not necessarily be notice or reckless disregard, but in fact it may be whether the use of credit scoring is beneficial to citizens or whether it hurts more than it helps. Rachel, thank you very much, and thank you, Fred, also. A special thanks again to today's guests, Fred Karlinski and Rachel LeBlanc from the law firm of Kolodny, Foss, Tellenfeld, Karlinski, and Abate in Florida. Thanks as well to our Washington Bureau Manager, Ray Lehman, who joined us from Washington, D.C. this morning from conference call. And special thanks to today's producer, Jenica Thomas. And thank you all for joining us for the Insurance Law Podcast. To subscribe to this podcast, go to podcast.insuranceattorneysearch.com or to online directories such as iTunes or Google or Yahoo's podcast directory. If you have any suggestions for a future topic regarding an insurance law case or issue, please email us at lawpodcast at ambest.com. I'm John Zuba, joined by Ray Lehman, and now this message. Best's directory of recommended insurance attorneys is used by decision makers at insurance companies responsible for selecting legal counsel and representation. The printed directory is distributed annually to insurance companies, non-insurance companies, third-party administrators, and corporate counsel around the world, and the online edition is accessible throughout the year. Your listing in Best's directory of recommended insurance attorneys is the most effective way to ensure that thousands of potential clients have access to your outstanding credentials. Here's why you should be listed in the number one insurance insurance attorney reference. Your firm's credentials will be listed in our comprehensive reference guide, which is made available to thousands of insurance professionals globally, both in print and online. AMBEST listees are recognized as the most qualified in their field to represent the unique needs of insurance companies. Key decision makers rely on the directory to take the guesswork out of their selection process. They know that only the best are listed, those firms with a proven track record of excellence who are recommended by their insurance industry clients. And remember, one low rate guarantees year 
year-long visibility for your firm. We invite you to use our web application process to apply for a listing today. With our reasonable rates and broad exposure, there's no more effective way to get the attention of the insurance industry. For more information about Best Directory of Recommended Insurance Attorneys, visit www.insuranceattorneysearch.com. 